This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello again and welcome to another edition of uh, Talking Devils. I'm your host, Dave Murphy. I'm here with my uh, partner in crime, we shall say, uh, Mr. Scott Wharton. Scott, it doesn't look like you're in Morecambe or Wickham, as I used to say, um, today. Uh, seems pretty bright behind you. Uh, obviously, 10.30 back home in the UK. Where, where in the world are you today and why are you there? So I'm currently sat in Sydney. Um, yeah, obviously signed for uh, Wellington Phoenix in the A-League uh, just over a week ago now. Well, a bit longer, it got announced, but been here just over a week. And uh, due to the COVID restrictions, obviously Wellington is uh, in New Zealand. You know, the club I play for is based in New Zealand, but uh, due to sort of COVID issues and restrictions in New Zealand, the, uh, the club decided, well, they had to relocate to Australia um, and they picked Sydney. So, you know, not uh, not the worst, there's many, uh, I can think of a few worst places in the world to be living at the minute. Well, it, you know, I'm, I'm absolutely delighted, um, you know, you're out there. Uh, I mean, it's. I think it's every player's ambition to, to play abroad. Um, I'm a little bit disappointed that now I can't send you sunny pictures in January and say, "Hey, how's your day going?" Because That'd the be pictures you send back are much better. Um, yeah. So yeah, I've lost. I've lost that leverage now. So, <laughs> um, but congratulations on the move. I hope it all goes well. Uh, I know it's a. You know, it's it's on the far side of the uh, of the world, but we're definitely going to be keeping an eye on on you and your new team. And best of luck for the season. Um, I think the season's just started over there, right? No, so it got delayed. Uh, it's the same same pattern okay. as England, but due to, again, oh. due to COVID, it was quite quite tough over here. So it got delayed. So uh, they played a lot less games. So we only played twenty six league games, and we played seven so far. So we still got you know more than three quarters of the season left to play. So plenty of games um, and plenty of plenty to play for in the season. See, the league's very tight as it usually most leagues usually are after the first few games. So we had all to play for, and um, not really uh, really looking forward to. Well, let's jump back into uh, Manchester United. Manchester United won West Ham nil. Uh, a, a very, very. Uh, I'll try and be polite here. It, it was it was an okay game. I think Manchester United have improved over the past couple of games. Uh, Brentford and now West Ham. Uh, we control a lot of the game, uh, as you could see, and and obviously Marcus Rashford, who has come in for a lot of criticism lately, um, including myself, about you know just being completely out of form and you know how does he how does he you know get get into the starting eleven but that said past two games he's come in he scored he obviously got the winner i mean there's nothing 
there's nothing like a last minute winner. There really isn't. There really, really isn't. You know, some people want to win two or three nil, but I'm I'm a big fan of that last minute snatch that goal. Uh, he went with with the very similar team that he went to against Brentford. Uh, Alanga started, who was doing absolutely uh, phenomenal. I think you know he's already got a goal. He seems to. He's been in he's been in Manchester now. I don't know seven eight years. Uh, he's been there since he was twelve, I believe. So you know he's kind of he's he's come up through the ranks like you did in Manchester United. He's come up. He knows what it's like to play for that club. I've seen some of his posts on social media. Um, I, I want to start off with something like that. You know, real easy, real quickly. Uh, Alanga making his debut. You made your debut. You know, many years ago under Fergie. I mean, what what would he be thinking now? You know, especially after scoring a goal after just a couple of games. Oh, I'm sure he'd be on cloud nine. He'd be absolutely over the moon. You know, uh, there's no better feeling. I, no, I was never going to score a goal um, like he did. But he's he's done really well. He'll be on cloud nine, like I said. He'll be be loving life. He'll be enjoying going in every day. Um, I'm sure that he, I'm sure he would have been training with the first team for a while now, so he'll know all the players. But all the players will be will be welcoming him into the group. He'll feel a part of it because he's playing in the team and he and he scored, so he won't feel like. Um, He's a young player joining him with the first team. I think he'll feel like a pretty established first team player at the minute because he's he's keeping his place in the team and and he deserves it with his with his performances. You know he's quick, he's direct. Yeah. He's what uh, the manager wants off the ball as well, maybe more than other players. So he's he's warranted his place in the team and and hopefully he can stay there for uh, for a long time. And if he carries on his form like he is at the minute, you know this manager doesn't seem to really take into consideration names and reputations from, from what we've seen so far. Yeah. Um, you know, he, he's otherwise he wouldn't have played and Landon, but, he, but he's put him in and he's um, the manager's getting his rewards and the player is is, is repaying him and, uh, and long may it continue. He seems to be, you know, we've always, uh, I've always remembered a quote from Fergie when, when he started putting a lot of the young players in like yourself um, saying that they, they play without fear, they play without any pressure, which is kind of mind-blowing to think that you know, one minute you're no disrespect to the reserves. You know, you're playing in front of a couple of thousand versus playing in front of seventy-five thousand. You would think nerves come into it, but he doesn't seem to. And it seems to be like a, a trait with a lot of these young players that come up through. Not just Manchester United, but through through other clubs that when they get to that first team, it doesn't really seem to face them a lot. You know, it just seems to be like they're out there and enjoying it. I mean, is that how is that how you felt? Do you feel that that's how he will be feeling? That is that he really isn't under a lot of pressure because he's relatively new. Yeah, maybe so. I think I think with the crowd and stuff is it's um it obviously is a big jump uh from, from like you say your reserve crowds or, or if you've been out on loan. But with the crowd and the stadium, that's all more in the build up to the game. You'd be thinking, you know, uh, um I'm gonna be playing in front of this amount of people, all the the, the uh, attraction on social media, all the press. That's all sorts of in your mind before the game. I think when the whistle goes, I don't think that plays into it too much whether you're playing for 75,000, 7,500, I genuinely believe when you're, when you're a professional and that whistle goes and you're playing in a match, as long as you play with, come with the right attitude and the right mentality, you know, that the, the crowd and stuff, that's just sort of like an outside noise, that, that doesn't affect you too much really, unless you've got 75,000 people booing you every time you touch the ball or you give the ball away then, you know, but from, for a young player coming through the, the crowd get behind them, that won't affect them too much. It, it it sounds like how how I um how I uh, uh, 
treat my kids here when I come home from work. It's just noise in the background and I try to ignore it. So yeah, I kind of get what you mean. Yeah. Um, so back to the West Ham game. Anyway, like I said, you know, we controlled it for, for the most part. Uh, we didn't really give up a hell of a lot. Um, Rangnick went with uh, Harry Maguire at the back, who has had a lot of, you know, a lot of criticism thrown at him lately. He was, he was, let's be honest, he was dropped against Brentford. It wasn't a team where he was just coming back from injury. He was dropped. And then he got his opportunity to come back in against West Ham because uh, Lindelof had, um, had a, a home invasion at, at his house. So he, he couldn't be at the game. Um, and I think, I think Maguire did very well. I mean, he, he did what he was supposed to do. Um, Harry Maguire, you know, he plays in your favorite position, center back. Unfair criticism, or I mean, is he, are we just, are we just looking at centre backs from, you know, bygone years and comparing him against them? And is that a little bit unfair? I mean, is Harry Maguire should Harry Maguire be the captain of Manchester United and the first name on the team sheet? No, I don't think it's unfair. I think that's what comes with the territory of of, of playing for Man United. The only thing I have a slight um, feeling for him is that it's not his fault that he was bought for eighty million pound. That was just the price Leicester put on him. Man United matched it, uh, you know, that's all out of his control. Um, should he be the captain? Is he the captain because he, he paid that much money for him? You know, we're not privy to how much influence he has in the dressing room. Uh, if it was me, I probably would have went for De Gea, maybe, just because he, he'd been there so long. I felt like that would have been confidence. Um, but look, Harry Maguire was made the captain by, by the previous manager. Uh, everyone obviously gets behind him. Criticism this year. I don't think it's been harsh. I think it's been warranted. Uh, I think he's definitely had a hangover from uh, from playing for England in the summer. Um, you know, could be mentally, physically. Um, you know, there's so much to take into account. But I don't think I think he has been below par. I think when he first come, he, he, he was solid um, for the club. But I just think it, you know his attribute and his makeup. When you are comparing them to Rio Ferdinand, Vidic, Van Dijk, he was you know, cheaper. That that's what the problem he's got. As soon as you, you think of Harry Maguire, me personally, is he better than Ferdinand and Stam, these players, Van Dijk at the minute? No, he's got attributes that you could maybe say are better, but as an as a overall package, no, I feel like them players are, are better. Um, but that's not to say that you know, he's still not a good player. And like I say, he didn't. it's not fair on him to be compared to Virgil van Dijk. That's not his fault. You know, he didn't say I'm worth 18 million or I'm this or I'm that. Um, so no, I, I think. But I think coming out the team sometimes, Dave, that can that can be obviously no player will like that and enjoy it. But when you have been getting criticised, and he'll know himself his form hasn't been been what it was previous. Yeah. He'll probably feel that just even even a mental break. Obviously, you get the physical break where you, you know your body gets a bit of a rest. But more than anything, that mental break of you might have a couple of games where you're just like. You, 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 not, not that you relax because you're desperate to play. Pressure off. Pressure You know, you're not getting criticised all of a sudden. Yeah. It's all quite, and then you get to watch the game. You might see things where you, you're looking at the game, thinking, "I might have done this or that." And then when you do go back, and it just gives you that fresh impetus. And you know, I think we've definitely seen an improved performance from me. Three or four really good tackles uh, on West Ham counter attacks that just sort of killed them off. Yeah. And you know, hopefully now that. A couple of game break or that being dropped might have just given that little bit of a, you know, a little bit of a, a kick up the, the backside and, and made him realise, you know, get back to doing what he's good at 
he's come out the final line. Yeah, he's received criticism. He's man enough and he seems mature enough to, to take it and deal with it. And hopefully now that, that's behind him. He's had a little bit of a breather, uh, both mentally and physically, and, and he can put that behind him and he can he can kick on and, and be an important player for, in the team for now to the rest of the season. Well, he came back into the team, as we said, against uh, against Brentford when we were we were 2-0 uh, up. Um, Rangnick brought him on, took Cristiano Ronaldo off. Social media went into meltdown um, because people can't comprehend at times why you would take a striker off or a defender. They just looked at the two players and said Ronaldo, Maguire, as if as if he was replacing him up front. It's a bizarre way to look at things. Um, and Rangnick came out, and and this is what I, I love about this manager. He's just so honest and... He just he just deals with the fallout from it, um, and he's he's honest in a nice type of way. He, um, you know, there's a Jose Mourinho coming out and talking about players, and and there's this guy, which is very very different. You know, he explains it well. He doesn't want to throw anyone under a bus, but he came out and he explained the reason why I took Ronaldo off was because you know we were two 0 up at Villa, and we conceded two goals because we didn't shut up shop. Um, mm. So we brought Maguire on. He shut up shop, and in fact we scored another goal when Maguire came on uh, with Marcus Rashford. It ended 3-1. Uh, he came out and was very honest about that. Um, Ronaldo, bitterly disappointed to be taken off. Um, I'm not sure why the media made such a big thing about it. I would rather Ronaldo come off and complain he's coming off than not caring if he's coming off or not. I mean, what, what were your thoughts on that? When, when Ronaldo was brought off, you could see he was annoyed. You could see he was upset. And then you could see he was talking to Rangnick and they were talking back about and he, and he you know Rangnick said in, in the in the press conference exactly what they were talking about, which was him explaining to Ronaldo why he took him off. And he said to him, you know, when you're a coach, you realize that decisions like this have to be made and this is the right decision. Were you were you upset or were you baffled? You know, from a from a professional footballer's point of view, you never want to come off, do you? I mean, you're not going to be happy coming off. Why is it such a big deal? Because Ronaldo does it. Well, the big deal is because he's won six Ballon d'Ors. He scored eight hundred goals. <laughs> you know, that's the big deal. That's, that's good. That's that's two good points. <laughs> yeah, that's why it's the headline, though, isn't it, Dave? You know, if that was even if that was Bruno, it wouldn't be half of the story. Yeah. Or you know, um, people in the past that say that was a Wayne Rooney or a, a Van Persie, it wouldn't be make quarter of the headlines. It's just a tactical decision from the manager. Um, you fully understand it from Ronaldo. That's the type of character we've, we've come to know him as he is. He yep. wants to play every minute of every game. That's what he done when he was in Real Madrid. Is he struggling maybe? He probably feels that he's still in the, the physical shape of a prime Ronaldo, whereas people will now look at his age and start to think about, you know, if he can save him 20 minutes at 2-0 up. You know, that wouldn't be a problem to, to most players on the planet, but to him, you know, he wants to play every minute. The only thing I'd, I'd be that slightly disappointed about is that the, the stuff after the game, you know, he doesn't need to be, you know, the manager shouldn't be having to explain his decision as the game's going on. That should be done after the game in the dressing room or a couple of days' time when you get back to the training. That's the bit that I just think, you know, he, come on, he, he, he knows that. He knows the cameras are going to be there. Yeah. He knows the camera's going to be off it. Can he hide his emotions a bit better and do that in the dressing room where no one, that story doesn't get out or the manager's not getting asked that question after the game. Yeah. You know, it's it's not a surprise. Like I say, we know what type of person he is. That's why he's, he's done what he's done. 
So let's move on to um, Marcus Rashford. Um, taking a lot of criticism last the last eighteen months or so, we we we've been told, and obviously with the operation that he had, that he was he's been carrying an injury for a very long time. And you and I have discussed this on the on the podcast in the past about you know from a supporter's point of view. I'm like, well, you know, why didn't he go get the injury looked at? Is it really that much of you know a problem to a player? And you you know you. You uh, nicely walked us through the process of having an injury like that and how it will affect you, you know, on the pitch as well. Uh, Marcus Rashford has come back in the last couple of games. The the previous couple of games to that, he hasn't really looked himself. He's looked, you know, he's looked very down. He, he's looked disinterested, if, if I'm being honest. Um, obviously, social media got on his back. He came out and he apologised, which I don't believe players should be apologising on social media, but but each to their own. Um and now he's got two goals and two with, with the winner against West Ham, which you know nearly brought the whole house down. Um, Marcus Rashford, are we gonna are we gonna start seeing, you know, are we gonna start seeing a new lease of life on Marcus Rashford? He's got two and two now. Yeah, I hope so. Sure, like every other fan, I hope so. I hope he can get back to the form that we seen when he first broke into the team and he was he was electric, he was raw, he was direct, scored goals. Again, similar to Maguire, you know, there's, there's no doubt there's, there's been maybe a hangover from, from, from playing for England in the summer. Maybe his problems go back further than that with the injury issue, you know, it's like you say, recovered. But two and two, yeah, he's, he seems in good form. A last minute winner does wonders for, for the team's confidence, never mind the player who actually scored that goal. You know, he, he'll be, his confidence will be he's sky high now. Um, you know, I'm sure he'll play the next game again. And if he scores again, then if you get three and three, four and four, you are really looking at someone who, who you can no longer say is sort of struggling. You know, if you're getting that that return in terms of his goals and his impact in games, then he's uh, he certainly turned the uh, turned the page. Yeah. Final thing on on West Ham, um, as we all know, it was it was nil nil up until the you know obviously the last minute, but halfway through the second half. We brought on three strikers, took off two strikers and a guy called Fred who had won a competition to play for Manchester United. Um, I, I, that's unfair. He's played well in the past few weeks. Um, I'll, I'll give him that. He he has improved. But the point is, we brought off two strikers in the midfield and we brought on three strikers. Um, Martial, uh, Cavani and Rashford. Rashford came on and we went and got the win. I mean, when we brought on the three strikers, it was never ending pressure, never ending pressure uh, on, on West Ham. And then, you know, it, I know we always come up with the Fergie time thing, but, it, you know, it is a real thing. Let's be honest. And we just kept going and kept going and kept going. And we got that winner in the end. Um, good, good management, good management to just go screw it. Let's just throw every striker we have on, on the, onto the pitch and see what happens. Dave, when it works, it's always unbelievable management. Oh, 100%. If we had conceded a goal and lost one nil, we would have said, why the hell did we take Fred off? He was playing exactly. great. Yeah, if we had three strikers up the pitch and the, the middle of the pitch was massive and West Ham scored and win 1-0, we sat here going, what is he doing? Why Why is he took a midfielder on? And, you know, it's always good when it works. Um, but I think it was quite refreshing, really, to, to see him have that sort of attitude of, you know, we're nil nil, we're at home, we need to win this game, let's go for it. Uh, knowing that there's obviously a risk involved in that, that you could get done by a West Ham team who are very, very good on the counter-attack. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, you know, it was refreshing. It worked. It paid off. You know, it didn't always pay off under Ferguson all them years ago. He, he often went for games. But, you know, if you if you gamble and you take that risk, you have to... Uh, the saying I've seen? There's no, there's no great reward without risk. He went for the risk and it's paid off and the team won 1-0 with a goal in the last minute. You know, there's no better feeling than that. 
Um, I'm sure that if you've done that ten times, it wouldn't work every time. There will be times where you get, you know, you get done like Aston Villa potentially, but not credit to him when um, when it's worked. I mean, I, don't, I, I never, I'm not really one to openly criticise uh, Solskjaer, but I think sometimes during his tenure as a manager, when we were chasing a game, some of his substitutions were, were kind of bizarre. You know, a midfielder for a midfielder or a centre back for a centre back, it never really made sense to me that you were taking. You know, why didn't you just? Why don't we just bring on an extra striker, bring on an extra attacking player? And um, this guy seems to want to just do that. I mean, he has the protection of it. Really, he's only the interim, so he knows that. You know, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna lose my job at the end of the summer because I already have a two-year job lined up anyway. So I think he can play with a little bit more freedom. Uh, but I was happy to see three three strikers coming on, um, and us us really going for it. We did speak briefly about Fred. I want to come on to my uh, my next topic, which is uh, Declan Rice. Um, he had a lot of uh, nice things to say about Manchester United and and the crowd after the game. Um, I mean, it was published after the game, so it may have been talked about in the run up to the game. But I only seen it after where he said, you know, Old Trafford's a very special place. You know, it's always a great atmosphere. Uh, things you want to hear from a player that your club is probably you know sniffing around. Um, is 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 Declan Rice a good acquisition for Manchester United? I know we'll we'll if we were to go in from, we'll pay the Manchester United tax on top of it. So we're talking anywhere from seventy to one hundred million um, for Declan Rice. We all know that players are not worth that money. We spoke about Harry Maguire earlier on. They don't have control about that or over that. Um, is Declan Rice? If we would if we were to spend a hundred million on one midfielder, would Declan Rice be your choice? Yeah, I think it would be. I think he's the exact sort of profile of someone who Man United would have gone for in the past. England international, yeah. good age. Um, I think he fits the bill perfectly in terms of... Oh, he takes all the boxes for me. He, he's a position that we need, sort of a, a midfield. He's not just a defensive midfielder. I feel like he's much better than me. I'm a huge fan. I think he was amazing for England in the summer. I think he's been amazing for West Ham. He's a captain at a young age, so he's obviously got... Um, he's a character. And he, he's a leader. Um, for, for David Moyes to give him the armband and he's certainly the type of player as we've spoke about in the past that Man United need in terms of a, a number six or a holding midfield player if you play two in midfield to play alongside you know to replace Fred let's say um, in that position he's doing it in the Premier League every week never misses a game he's always fit so you know as we sit here now for me if you're going to spend that money like you said the Man United uh, tax I think he would be your number one target because, like I say, he just fits the profile or all, all the assets of what you would want from a Man United player in midfield. He, he fits, he can tackle, he can run, he can do box to box, he can protect. You know, he, he ticks all the boxes for me. I'm not sure whether whether you've seen the news yet, but um, it looks like um, Anthony Martial has agreed a deal to go to Sevilla in Spain, um, a loan deal to the end of the season that's been confirmed. Um, Manchester United, well, Sevilla will pay a salary. Um, there doesn't seem to be any loan fee mentioned. A good move for him. And also, you know, I want to throw in there about uh, Jesse Lingard. Jesse Lingard looks like he could be on his way to Newcastle, whether that's a loan or a, or a full a full transfer, 10 to 12 million is being touted. Um, are we starting to clear the decks a little bit here? Yeah, it appears so. It, uh, you know, the manager now has had a few months to look and... and um, Suss everyone out, just the, the ability first and foremost, what they bring to the team. Do they want to be you now Andy Martial feels one I feel a little bit not sad isn't, isn't the right word, but 
I just think he could have been anything he wanted to be. Yeah. His attributes, his technique, he had so much going for him. But I just always got the feeling, maybe it's just him as a person, but I just got the feeling he never really looked like he was enjoying himself. And, you know, when you're at Man United and you don't look, you don't give off the, the feeling that you're, you're enjoying yourself. Maybe that's just him as a person or as a character. We don't know, but I just feel like he, he could have been such an amazing player. Uh, wrong, wrong managers. I mean, you know, we, we've we've seen sometimes that when a player goes to a club and, you know, he doesn't really sync up with the manager. He's had a couple of managers, three or four managers at this point. Yeah, yeah, um, exactly. I mean, I'm just going to throw out the old cliche. If he was under someone like Bobby Robson, Brian, or sorry, Alex Ferguson, uh, Bobby Robson, someone like that, do you think he would have, you know, he would have Terry Venables even, you know, always got the best out of some players. Uh, or a lot of players, you know, if, if it was under, if it was Fergie that was managing, do you think we would have seen? Because I'm under, I'm under the same uh, you know, impression as you. I thought Martial was going to be a world beater. I really did. He burst onto the scene. He got those two goals against Liverpool, and you know, he just kept scoring and scoring. And it wasn't just that. I mean, I went to see him when he came over here to the US and they played Real Madrid, um, in a friendly here, and and he he just did the assist he got for one of the goals. He he was like a ghost. He just he just walked through the whole. It, it, and I'm thinking this guy is just going to be unbelievable. He really is. And then all of a sudden, bam, it looks like he just didn't want to play. He just looked disheartened. He looked like he didn't want to be there. Um, is it as is it as simple as um as as like he just you know right place wrong managers? Uh, yes and no. The only thing to think he's had four now. So Van Gaal signed him. He had Mourinho, who you could probably say probably wasn't the right fit for for how he plays. Um. Then Oli and now Ralph Ragnick. Um, so I don't think, you, can, you know, some one of them managers, it would be, we could say that more of an argument if, I don't know, under, under Oli, he was absolutely amazing. It didn't work for him under Ralph Romero, but it's not been, it's not really been the case. He's been pretty consistent in being inconsistent, if that makes sense. You know, he's, he's never really done it on, in a sustained period. And, you know, he, he, he might never get to that level. You know, the only fear is when someone like him and his his abilities and his attributes as a player. You don't want him to go to Seville, do really well, and then Real Madrid or Barcelona take him and he ends up being a world beater for them and you think, oh, he was ours, you know. He's, I mean, we had that with Diego Forlan, you know. Forlan, yeah. who, who, you know, who, who was a hero at Old Trafford because of his goals against Liverpool. But, yeah. you know, his career really didn't kick off until he went to Spain and then he was phenomenal. You know, he was winning, he was winning, he was top of the goal scoring charts, you know, for a couple of seasons in Spain. Um, I think this could be a really, really good move for Martial, especially when you when you consider that Real Madrid are really the only top team in Spain at the moment. Everyone else seems to be struggling. Um, you know, he has all the ability um, mm. And he could do very, very well there. I think it's an absolutely fantastic move from um, mm. Jesse Lingard. You know, the issue with Jesse Lingard is that he's, uh, he's from what I understand is, he, he doesn't really want a loan move to Newcastle. He wants to, by all intentions, probably wants to move back down to London when, when he had his time at West Ham. Uh, do you think that's a good move for Jesse Lingard? I mean, it, it, there's a lot of what ifs with Newcastle in regard to money and stuff like that. Who are they going to bring in? You know, it's it, it. Does he want to be? You know, does he want to miss out on that if, if Newcastle go crazy in the summer and spend three hundred million? You know. Well, I think that will be the case if, if Newcastle stay up, which is still a big ask for where they are. Uh, I know they've had a few really good results recently, um, but if, if Newcastle stay up, I think it'd be an exciting time to to be linked to be at the club. Um, Obviously, it's well, we all know how much money the owners have got in comparison to others. 
uh, whether it, how much they can spend with the financial fair play and all that, you know, that's to be seen. But uh, you know, I'm sure they'll they'll try and do all the best they can to get around it and, and give the manager as much much money as possible. Um, I think with Jesse in terms of leaving Man United, I think the time's right. I think the only reason he probably did stay in the summer was because of how well he actually did at West Ham. Ollie and the, the people in the club must have been thinking, "Put the hell on a minute." Can't really be seen to letting, you know, a player leave Man United who's just done that with that yeah. well at West Ham. You know, if Jesse Lingard was a West Ham player, I'm sure with his form he showed, clubs like Man United would probably try to sign him permanently if, if he wasn't on loan from them. Um, but it's not, you know, like we, we've discussed many times with the, the amount of attacking players Man United have got. He's obviously got to make a decision to make of do I want to be a bit part player and a squad player here or do I have ambitions to really go and play and be in a first team every single week like he did at West Ham? Will he do that at Newcastle? Yeah, I think he probably will. You know, West Ham, possibly. Um, you know, obviously, if he goes down there, can he hit the heights he did last season? But I do think it's time for him to probably move on now if, if that's what he wants, if he wants to play every week. You know, Jesse Lingard's 29 now. He's yeah. not a good player. He hasn't been a good player. Even when he got in the team, I don't think he'd be a good player. He was 24, 23. He'd been on loan for many, many years. Um, before he eventually got his chance from the Van Gaal. So, listen, I'm sure I'd be amazed if he doesn't want to go somewhere and be, be a main man, play every single week, knowing that he's going he's gonna to start every week, even if he has a bad game here or there. That feeling as a player is, uh, is invaluable. Well, he makes a good point. Um, you know, spending $100 million is the issue. Uh, and we probably need full-backs and another forward too. Well, I understand that, but, you know, here's, here's how I look at this, is that we're Manchester United. We should be easily spending two to $300 million a year. We should be, but we all know that the, the Glazers are not that type of, you know, spenders these days. Um, I, I think if we've got a budget of 100 to $150 million or whatever it is, um, I think what we need to do is we need to address the biggest problem that we have. And the biggest problem that we have right now is a defensive midfielder. We just, it's non-existent. It really isn't. It's embarrassing that a club of Manchester United's uh, stature in world football, um, and no disrespect, but, you know, to Scott McTominay and, and Fred, but they're just not at a level that we should be relying on them. And then, you know, taking Matic off the bench and wheeling him out every other week, you know, because of because of his age and, and you know, the fact that he, I don't think he can run around for 30 minutes. But for me, if we're going to spend that type of money, we should spend it on the place that we need it most. And that is definitely in central midfield. Um, but again, as, as Manchester United, we should have no problems in spending two or 300 million. The 100 million should be, spent on a midfielder and then we go out and spend 40 50 million on left backs on each side another 100 million and you know holland is supposed to be available for 60 to 80 million that's in his contract you know it's a clause that he has there we should be moving heaven on earth if we want a player of his ability um but he you know he's supposed to be earmarked for real madrid i think his agent will more than likely bring him there first before another big massive move because if he's going to go to the premier league it's not going to be on this 60 to 80 million transfer. Not a chance. You know, he'll go to Real Madrid for that. And then they'll get double, you know, and, and crazy as it may seem, maybe three times that in two years' time from a Chelsea or a City or United or somebody. So, you know, the agent, as we know, is controlling that whole situation. I don't, I can't see him rocking up in the Premier League next year on a 60 to 80 million euro transfer. It's just, it's not going to happen because if he leaves the Premier League, he's not going to go for it a lot more than what he'll come back in for in two or three years time, if that makes sense. And that's all the agent is thinking about, you know? And um, so, you know, as much as 
you know, Wayne saying issue is spending 100 million on him. My personal belief is that that is the biggest problem that we have right now is is um, uh, that central midfield. And what's your what's your you know quick thoughts on that one of spending 100 million on him? Yeah, no, I agree because what the problem you get is let's say your budget's 150 million, for example, and you say right, well, we need a striker, centre mid, and a fullback or two fullbacks. You break that down. What are you, what are you going to spend on fullbacks? 15, 20 million each to give yourself enough for a midfield. Then you're not going to get better than what you've already got. For example, what was Fred? 40 million. So if you're going to spend 40 million on someone, unless you, you know, listen, clubs do it. Leicester's recruitment's been superb over the years. Tillman's yep. indeed, and people like that. Um, but Man United need the finished article. You know, Man United aren't buying someone right now to come in and take three, four years to. To, to get to the level yeah. of an Indeedy or you know Fabinho or someone like that. So the recruit the, the big question mark with United has been the recruitment because there is players out there. But if you sort of split the money across the board, do you get are you are you going to significantly improve what you've got? You know what was Wan Bissaka? He was fifty million money. Whether he was people think he's worth fifty million or not is is obviously a different question. But if you're going to can you go out and spend 30 million on a fullback? And is he going to be much better than Wan-Bissaka? Probably not. Haaland, yeah. Um, that'll be interesting because I think he's got the same agent as Paul Pogba, hasn't he? Mino Raiola, if I'm right in saying. So, you know, he's quite well documented. He hasn't got the greatest of relationships with um, with Man United. So, I mean, I, I would, if I was any, you know, if, if they could get Rice and Haaland and leave any other area this summer, I think that would be huge success in the transfer market. But, whether you know whether Harlem will, will end up at Old Trafford, I'm not so sure due to like you say the power of the agent, the fact that you want to move him to club to club, like he has with I think he's had Ibrahimovic over the years, and you see how many moves he's had. Pogba, um, you know the stuff he constantly leaks to the press about him. I just can't see that relationship. Even though I think the club should probably park it for yeah quality of someone like Harlem, because I, I, I think if you could sign someone like him and he could be a player for the next 10 years like what the club always done with like the likes of Rooney, Rio Ferdinand, these types of players. Aguero at City, I mean. Aguero at City, David Silva at City. I mean, that would be, for 60, 70 million euros, that would be an absolute steal. Oh, bargain. I mean, you've, you've hit the nail on the head there with, with your analysis in regard to you've got 150 million. You know, if you go out and buy three or four players with that, are you really improving the team? You're, you're building a bigger squad, all right. But, you know, you, you hit it perfectly there by saying, are you really improving on that? You know, you're bringing in a £40 million left back. Is he any better than the one that you have? And he has to be two or three times better to improve the team. Um, my personal opinion is if we have a budget of £150 million, we should spend the bulk of that on, on the, the biggest problem we have, and that's in central midfield. I think we can still... I th- uh, you know, can we win the league with the strikers we have right now? I'm I'm not 100% convinced of that, but we definitely won't win the league with the, the with the midfield that we have right now, or even challenge for it. And um, so I think we, you know, we need to take some baby steps there. We had a great summer last summer, in my opinion. I think Sancho is it's going to take him about a year to adapt to the Premier League. We've seen that with a lot of the players coming from Bundesliga. It's taken them a while to settle, at least a season. Um, he just needs a little bit more game time, and I think he'll be he'll turn out to be the player that we actually thought we were buying. Um, but I, I just don't believe that. I don't think Haaland is going to end up in the Premier League uh, next summer. Um, 
I do believe that we should spend a bulk of our transfer on on someone like Declan. I'm not. I wasn't a massive fan of Declan Rice, but he's grown on me over the past, you know, since the season start. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe it's maybe it's because you know I'm looking at what we have versus what we could have. Um, but you are right. If we're gonna if we're gonna sign a player, he has to be able to come in and play right away because we've spent a lot of money on players um, with the previous manager. 30, 40 million on some players and they haven't even played. I mean, we're talking about loan them out. I just, I don't understand any of that. Um, so, Scott, to, to, to wrap it up, um, I appreciate you coming on, but to wrap it up, any more, uh, you want to give us a bit more detail on your on your transfer, how you're feeling, you, you're ready to go, when's your next game? Yeah, so we've got, um, I had a little bit of a niggle when I first joined, second day training, probably off the back of getting off a you know, travel for 20, 22 hours, I think it was, flying to time and stop over. Probably, you know, as a player, you get off the plane, you want to, you want to get involved straight away. So I just felt a little bit of a niggle uh, in my right quad. So I missed the first league game on Friday, and I'll probably be touch and go for the cup game this weekend. We've got a semi final of the FFA Cup, which is basically the equivalent of the FA Cup. The winner gets to play in the uh, the Asian Champions League, and um, so that'll be exciting. We've got to play Melbourne Victory, who, who are the most historic, uh, successful club here. So that'll be a huge game on Saturday. Um, and then, yeah, hopefully by the next weekend should be close to being 100% fit. If, if I don't make this weekend, and like I said earlier, you know we've got 19 games left. Uh, the league's slightly different here, so if you come in the top six out of 12, yeah. you then go into the playoffs. And um, so there is quite a lot of differences to, to playing in England. You obviously don't have promotion relegation. It's a bit more like the MLS over in America, sort of the way they do it. But yeah, it's a great challenge for me. Um, you know, I'm here to the end of the season. Um, and just you know, yeah, see how it goes. Do do everything, do as best I can, and help the team, and and we'll see what happens in the future. A lot of a lot of ex uh, ex uh, pats out there, um, especially from the UK. Um, have you found your local pub? Have you found your local uh, grocery store that's going to get you your Heinz beans and your back bacon and all that? Yeah, exactly. There's um, there's loads actually. in quite a really good area where there's a lot of uh, supermarkets and, and pubs and restaurants. It's uh, it's really good. Actually, I know a few people, funnily enough, in Sydney, um, mates who, one of my best mates, who was at United with Corey Evans, his cousin, who I know lives over here. All right. He, t- he took me out to a few uh, few of the tourist sites on a, in the first couple of days. Um, I've got another mate who I played football with when I was uh, from 10 to 15. He, he now he works and lives out here. Yeah, so it's, it's exciting. Um, you know, it's a great opportunity. It's a great even just a life experience. You know, to come and live in, in, in a city like Sydney for, the, for three, four months was it's just amazing. You know, so I'm really looking forward to the challenge, football-wise, and, and to enjoy the uh, the experience at the same time. Well, the best of luck. I mean, that's one of the biggest um, uh, things that you know problems that I come across here. You know, first world problems is living in California for the past thirteen years. I we still can't get a lot of the stuff that we still miss from back home. So, and um, I know a place. I mean, if I lived on the east coast, it'd be a lot different. Probably a lot like Sydney, where it'd be more readily available. But stuff like that helps you to settle in. It helps you to, you know, to, to put down some roots and you know to not miss home as much. So, best of luck for the season. Best of luck in the in the semi final next week. Um, I, I was. Uh, I'll, I'll keep an eye out for that. I was. I was uh, up early, um, or up late, I should say. I think it was twelve forty-five a.m. just after midnight here, uh, when your game was on the other day. So, if, if that's kind of like the nature of when their games are on, I'll get to see more of it. So, um, I know that you're 
unfortunately, you're in a time zone when the Premier League is on between midnight and you know 5 a.m., mostly 2, 3 a.m. in the morning. So they're going to be difficult games for you to get up and watch United win the league this year. Um, so <laughs> um, for everyone that, uh, that tuned in, we appreciate it. Um, thanks for all the questions uh, that we had. We didn't get through them all, unfortunately. Um, if you haven't subscribed, hit the subscribe button. If you're listening back, um, on any of the audio uh, uh, selections that you have, please subscribe. And uh, we're, we're always glad to take any questions at all. Scott, I do have one final thing to show you. Um, uh, we did get this message while you were on. It is good day, lads. Okay. Enjoying the chat. Aussie based Man United podcast here. Definitely keen on getting Scott down the pub for the chat when he's in Sydney to talk United with the supporters club. Um, I am going to be Royola now um, and be your agent. I'll discuss, <laughs> I'll discuss this with him. We'll discuss terms. Um, we'll discuss uh, signing on bonuses and stuff like that. But Scott, if you want that information, I'll definitely send it on to you. Um, but yeah, it looks like the, I know there's a massive following of Manchester United in, in, in Australia uh, and in Sydney and Melbourne. So, uh, you know, if, if you see Scott out and about, give him a hello. Um, I'm sure he'll uh, he'll be nice enough to say hello back. It's not as if he was... Uh, it's not as if it was, like it was the time you went to Leeds, you know, where, where they were very uh, welcoming to him in the end. So, um, Scott, again, best of luck. I'm, I'm really you. looking forward. I'm, I'm cheering for you guys next weekend. Uh, I did see that you're in the semi-final of, of, you know, the English version of the FA Cup. Uh, big game, as you said. Uh, but the best of luck for the season. And uh, hopefully we can get you back on throughout the season as well. Brilliant. Thanks, Dave. Cheers, mate. Talk to you soon. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport, powered by fans.